Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Tiffany here from Swish, and I want to talk about being a problem solver. In my classroom, I'm always telling my equal firsties to be problem solvers. In first grade, that's one thing, but in adult life, it's a whole other. It can be really difficult to train your brain to go into a problem-solving mode. Maybe you don't even know where to start. It's a challenge that we all face in life. But when you learn to better help your brain find solutions, it's truly a great feeling. And if you've ever been thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. BetterHelp is convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's all online. And on top of that, they match you with a therapist just by filling out a brief survey. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com swish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash swish. Welcome to Swish and Flick, an all-Potter podcast. Swish and Flick, everyone. The Swish and Flick. Hello and welcome to episode 107 of Swish and Flick. I'm Tiff the Griff. I'm Meg the Sliv. I'm Katie the Tough Puff. I'm the best one, Sarah. Woohoo! She's got claws. <laughs> and this episode is sponsored by Sansi Burke Niles. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Sansi. you. Today we will be discussing chapter 32 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire Flesh, Blood, and Bone. So make sure that you have read the chapter and you're ready to swoop your way into the details. Ruh, 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 recap? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. Thing. So, last time, was it a half a chapter? Probably yes, it was. Yeah. It was the second half uh, of the third task. Okay, so they're in the maze and doing stuff, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's yep, obstacles, right. there's like a gold mist, there's like scroots, there's like a bewitched crumb, no big deal. And then, uh... Harry and Cedric grab the cup at the same time. Whoosh! Port key. They fly off somewhere. Guys, what happened? What well, happened? We're about to find out, huh? That's it. Yep, that's it. Cool. <laughs> All right. Are we ready? Yep. For my summary. Yep. I like couldn't it be funny because it's really sad. So I know. It's fine. I I, I imagine we're not going to be able to laugh too much, as usual. Don't under Don't underestimate me. So, Cedric and Harry landed in a graveyard. Neither knew that the cup was a portkey. Shortly, they see someone coming towards them. That person kills Cedric, and it turns out that person was Wormtail. He does a ritual involving Voldemort's not-whole-body thing, Harry's <laughs> blood, and some of Tom Riddle Sr., and in the end, Voldemort is back and nastier than ever. Uh, what a summary. Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to say some bad words. No. It's just like nothing in that is good. 
No, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> this, this, this like, chapter is... Out of all of the people to be dead in that chapter, like, Cedric shouldn't be. Like, Wormtail could be. That'd be greatly appreciated. The little Valdi baby could be dead. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Not Cedric. Yeah. All right. No, Cedric. Cedric, your boyfriend. I was literally <laughs> gonna say that, and I was like, no, that's not nice. <laughs> well, Dudley's not really sad. that nice, so... <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's, uh... I also probably cry. I, like, I'm on the verge of tears now, so I'm like, okay, it's one of those episodes. Yeah. It's okay, let's let's just let's rip this Band-Aid off. We gotta do it at some point. It's, about to, it's gonna get worse, guys, so... Buckle up. Oh boy. So Harry's feet slammed into the ground and his injured leg, remember from the spider in the uh, maze, it gave way and he fell forward and he finally let go of the cup. So he and Cedric are on the ground and, and Cedric wonders where they are and he and Harry get up to have a look around. And it says, quote, they had left the Hogwarts grounds completely. They had obviously traveled miles, perhaps hundreds of miles. Even the mountains surrounding the castle were gone. They were standing instead in a dark overgrown graveyard. The black outline of a small church was visible beyond a yellow yew tree to their right. A hill rose above them to their left. Harry could just make out the outline of a fine old house on the hillside. Riddle House, obviously, is what he is looking at. And then the yew tree. Yeah. I wonder. I I have I always thought that there was a connection there. I think that there. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I, who knows where Ollivander goes and gets the woods for his wands? You know what I mean? Like that could be it. I mean, why point out that type of tree? Agreed. You know? Do you think I, he's like called to places like? He just doesn't go to the same yew tree or the same hawthorn tree or all these things. You think he's like out and about and he's like, oh, you know what? I have a feeling like I need to get wood from this specific tree to make a wand. I like that a lot. lot. Kind of like how Ron knows where to go because of the delimiter. Kind of like like a feeling like that, just instinctual. And he just like, like the woods, like you said, like they call to him, they speak to him. I feel like he knows. Yes. Exactly. I, I am right there with you. I love that. And I love that this could be the tree in which Voldemort's um, wandwood is from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like. I like. So um, there are a couple articles on Pottermore. Um, the first being the uh, profile of the Little Hangleton graveyard. And I'm not sure if we've gone if we went over this in the first chapter with Frank. I don't know. We did the town. Maybe a, little, over... maybe a little bit. Okay. I don't know if we went over just like the city itself or the town, whatever. So it says, graveyard where the Riddle family are buried and the site of Lord Voldemort's return. So where in the world? Little Angleton. Residents or owners, the Riddle family. Significant events that took place here. Voldemort's rebirth and Cedric Diggory's death. Um, so it just goes over like there's a an extract from Goblet of Fire. It links you to port keys. Um, there's a really interesting illustration on there. It's called In a Dark Place. And you can just see like the overgrown and there's a full moon and 
it's a very interesting picture. Um, there's a film still of Wormtail and Harry, and you can see Tom Riddle Sr.'s gravestone. I don't know. I just really like it. And there's like a really cool sketch of the of the graveyard. If you click that sketch, it is really, really interesting. Like you can see a crypt. So there's it kind of looks like in Fantastic Beasts. Yeah. Where they yeah. go down. Like oh, the entryway yeah. looks like that. Yeah, you're right. And you can see them all standing there. So it's just it's an interesting little uh, uh page. And then there's also a behind the scenes little Hangleton graveyard. So it says, as the setting for arguably the most pivotal scene throughout the Harry Potter series. Hmm. Interesting writer. Little Hangleton Graveyard had to be suitably iconic. Um, and it just says, at the end of the Triwizard Tournament in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, pretext and trickery transport Hogwarts champions Harry Potter and Cedric Diggory into a trap set up by Voldemort and Peter Pettigrew at the Riddle family gravesite. So um, Stuart Craig says... The scene takes place in a large graveyard, and I knew this was a very important set. It turned out to be one of our biggest sets. The scene was meant to be on a small hilltop dotted with gravestones and statues, a landscape that was challenging to create. Um, The graveyard was also meant to be old, so he focused on evoking an ancient sensory feeling. So he had, like, crumbling and overgrown gravestones. And he said, essentially, it is about... Decay and derelict, derelict. I know it meant like derelict, dereliction. Yeah, dereliction. So my inspiration for it was Highgate Cemetery in North London, which has been in a way reclaimed by nature. Built in 1839, Highgate Cemetery was planted with trees, bushes, and flowers that were allowed to grow without any restrictions. Yes. Highgate Cemetery is where they filmed that scene in Fantastic Beasts. Really? Shut the front door. Yeah. Get out. That's probably why it looks similar. Yeah. In that sketch. So when they did this set, they said it was built indoors so that they could have like eerie lighting and artificial fog to cover the graveyard. And it says we can trap the fog inside. It's only practical. One good wind and the fog blows away. So obviously <laughs> they need True. To stay inside. Um, They said another practical consideration was that shooting in the studio meant that the night scene could be shot during the day, removing the constraints on shooting child actors at night. So Makes sense. Pretty cool little um, article. But it does say that the ground was covered with living grass and the set was crowded with huge moss-colored tombstones. Not colored, covered. Some of which bore the names of crew members, pets. Oh. That's kind of sad. Oh. And it says the statue over the riddle tomb that traps Harry was originally meant to be a beautiful angel based on monuments studied in Highgate Cemetery. The filmmakers altered the idea to an angel of death, given whose tomb it was. I like that. That's a really cool little article about the graveyard. That's cute. We, nice. got, we got to see... Uh, this grave at the studio yeah they have the angel of death um, grave and you can like take a picture right in front of it it's enormous it's huge and scary yeah it had to like have him up there so and then it had to like tower so i mean mean, dan radcliffe's not big but still 
Yeah, no, I mean, it was pretty big. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, like, scary yeah. looking. Yeah. I like the angel I've... of death idea that they transformed it from. I think it is crazy cool that they, so, like, okay, so this movie is before David Yates was even a part of the film franchise, and, um... The fact that they took this inspiration for this and then used it again in the Fantastic Beast series is like really mind blowing to me. Like someone was reading someone's notes. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like as you should. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, for that's, sure. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Let's get back into this. <laughs> Do we have to? I know. <laughs> oh, I wanted to say that really quick. I did pull up this map that I found of possible locations of where Little Hangleton actually like would be located in England. And yeah. it's like this 200 mile radius and it's somewhere in mid England, but it also like kind of goes across Wales mm-hmm. um, a little bit. So they don't really I mean, like we don't really know where Little Hangleton is. We can't put a finger on a map and say this is where she envisioned it. So. Right. Basically, we can just envision that it is Middle England. I thought you were going to say Middle Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Middle Different England okay. or like, Wales. Dear Joe. <laughs> dear Joe. Where in the world is Little Pangleton? Okay. <laughs> so, they both wonder, Cedric and Harry, that is, about the cup being a port key and whether or not this was part of the task. The graveyard was silent and eerie, and Cedric has the idea that they should have their wands out at the ready. And Harry's kind of glad that he suggests this, because he's got some kind of a feeling. He feels like they're being watched. Yar. Yes. When you guys were reading this for the first time, did you think that this was still the third task, or did you immediately know it was something different? Can you remember? I thought I I remember thinking it was weird, but I was like, not sure. Because, you know, I, I'll go where Joe tells me to go because that's just the kind of reader I am. Um, but I don't remember being like, this is a trap. Yeah. Or being <laughs> like, this is the task. I remember being like confused, kind of like Cedric and Harry. Yeah, I agree. That. That's how I was, too. Yeah. I don't remember, to be honest with you. Like, I'm trying to even think of like, I remember the very first time reading that Cedric died, like. I don't even know if I realize because I feel like it happened so quickly that like I mean and you know he says like and he's like I know he was dead or something along those lines like I don't even think I realized he was actually dead until later on. I think I also was not a very good reader so I think I just skimmed it was like oh like hey this is like an odd thing. I didn't want to believe it I think is part of it too. When when characters uh, in stories die, I tend to read the line over and over. For example, when Dumbledore dies, I remember being in such a shock that I had to read the line. I read that sentence over and over and over again, and I went back to see what I had missed. Because sometimes when books get mm-hmm. exciting and intense, I tend to read faster, and yeah, I same. miss some subtleties. So I remember going back and like rereading that and being like, okay, is this, <laughs> does this happen? And are my tears like legitimate? Like, do I need to keep crying? <laughs> so um, I think I must have done that. I also remember reading this in the summer. A lot of it was read outside. So I probably was outside when I read this. Who knows? Yeah. I don't want to go. I don't, I don't, we should stop the podcast. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) But we have to continue. Okay, so here we go. So, squinting through the darkness, Harry sees that someone's coming. It's a dark figure walking nearer, and Harry can't make out the face. It looks as if it's carrying something in its arms. And whoever this person was, they were short, and they were wearing a hood to cover their face. And Harry could just make out that the thing was carrying kind of like a baby or maybe a bundle of robes. So Harry lowers his wand down slightly, and he and Cedric are both confused. The figure stops before a marble headstone, which was about six feet from them. And I said, that's not far away. That's less than a Marty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But how many Danny DeVitos? I don't know. Whoever's in the Discord. One point something. One and a half-ish. Yeah. So here's the thing, like, you're so close. And because you don't know who it is, and you don't know what's going on, and you don't know if it's part of the task or not, everything could have stopped. They could have overpowered had they known. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things with fate Mm -hmm. and destiny. And it doesn't happen because it's not meant to. And I hate saying that. Because it sucks. Because we all like our answers. Like, our good, perfect answers. But, yeah, I mean, like, you can't expect that anyone, let alone a 17-year-old and a 14-year-old, would have expected anything like this to happen or be prepared in any way, shape, or form. I wouldn't even say an adult would. No, not even an adult would. I'm getting emotional. Yeah. Okay, so... Harry, Cedric, and the person, they look at each other for a second. And I said, I wonder what's going through Wormtail's mind. Are you regretting things? Are you regretting going and getting him? Are you having second thoughts? Do you know what you're about to do? You're about to F up the wizarding world. Right. And then, without any kind of warning, Harry's scar explodes with pain. There. I mean, just think of, like, he probably is ready to hemming Wormtail um, to, like, screw over Harry because, obviously, he's done that before and he doesn't care. But I think seeing Cedric there, he probably pauses and, like, this isn't part of the plan. He's not supposed to be here. You know, and we know that Wormtail does not really have a backbone to speak of, so... But we know he regrets things. I I know he has that tendency. And I think he regrets everything he's ever done. Well, he does in the end. So I kind of I kind of bring this same question up in my section right after this, but we can just kind of talk about it now, I think. Um I there are moments where I really do think that Wormtail does regret everything that he's done, but he feels stuck where he is. He's afraid um, and he, he wants to cling to that that tough side, that stronger side. And if he does this, that side's going to be stronger. Right. And he's a He's just... I think he's the type of guy that is going to go... Like, he thought Voldemort was going to win, and he's he's more afraid of dying on the good side than living with the bad side, where they're willing to mm-hmm. do whatever it takes to survive. And I think that he's he wants to go on the side where he's going to... Survive. Hurt less. Yeah. Physically hurt, you know what I mean? Or die. I was going to say, too, like, I think if you... I mean, if you think about it, Wormtail... What he did when Harry was young, obviously, is awful. And I think that he lived a long time 
possibly regretting that, but I think that he regrets this more than that because I I almost feel like if you if you think about how he was at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, I know, yes, he was like begging for forgiveness and I really do think that it was just so that he could save himself. Like he thought mm-hmm. that he had no other option, so he was like mm-hmm. begging Sirius and Remus for forgiveness. But I think also seeing Sirius and Remus and remembering what they had when they were younger could have, like, jarred him a little bit. But then he kind of realized that he's really just screwed himself, to be honest. Like, he's put himself in this situation and he can't really undo anything because, like, no one's going to forgive him. What he did is unforgivable. So at that point, like, he... I think that he feels that regret more now that he has, like, tried to get back into Sirius and Remus's lives and realized that it's not going to happen and that Harry wants nothing to do with him. He had no choice but to go. Exactly. Well, but he could have... So Vinny's saying in the chat, realistically, he could have gone anywhere. He didn't have to go back to Voldemort. Yeah, but he wants that power. That's Mm -hmm. something that I feel like he craves. And maybe if he could do that, and get him back, he could have some little bit of that power. Wormtail is a tricky like, character. He's just... He, he really is, and I really just hate him. Yeah. yeah. And I'm gonna, like, strongly disagree with this chat going on. He's not a Slytherin. No. <laughs> he's not a Slytherin. He's not. I, I he, get, like, I a, understand... He's a piece of... I understand the self-preservation, like, that you're saying, like, yeah, I get that, but he, it's not about what you are, it's about what you value, and we've preached Mm -hmm. that so many times. He doesn't, he doesn't value self-preservation, he values the side of bravery, he values, he values what Gryffindor is. And I think that he sees that, honestly, he sees a lot of Gryffindor traits in the people who are on Voldemort's side because they are, they are brave to fight for, because mm-hmm. bra- bravery is good and bad, right? I mean, like, you can yeah. be, you can be brave on the good side and you can be brave on the bad side. It doesn't matter. It's still bravery. And I think right. that, I think that this, this is, <laughs> give it to the Gryffindors. They have a lot of good people on their side. It's okay for them to have one bad guy. I think that well, this. <laughs> that's true. And well, we've talked about too, how there's a fine line where there's a lot of traits that intersect when you are a Gryffindor and a Correct. Slytherin. Yes. And, and I, whenever I talk about like me, like what my second house is, cause like we all know that I can sometimes be a not nice human. And I'm like, and don't say Slytherin because I'm mean. I'm like, that's not what we're preaching. Like, right. just because you're Slytherin doesn't mean you're mean or bad or anything right. like that. You know, just yeah. like you're a Gryffindor doesn't mean you're always an angel and always perfect, Tiffany. That is true. But I'm <laughs> near perfect. <laughs> uh, so, look at, you know, that's something that we people need to remember is that just because he's a Gryffindor does not mean he was a good person. Correct. And just because someone's a Slytherin does not mean they're a bad person. Correct. <clears throat> yeah, no, I... Uh, he is he is just a confusing guy, and I think that really what it comes down to when we're talking about houses and whatnot is that, again, we just have to remember that your house is what you value, hence why Hermione is a Gryffindor, excuse me, <clears throat> hence why Hermione's a Gryffindor, hence why Harry is a Gryffindor, because he chose it and he values it, even though he is very cunning, he is very ambitious, he fits Slytherin very well, to be completely honest, but... Nice. Uh, you know, it's... Yeah. Go ahead, Tiff. I, 
No, just going back to like what you value is like he valued that so much and he craved being a Gryffindor and being brave and all of that so much and being the hero. Yeah. But he didn't have those traits necessarily for the good. Right. Mm -hmm. That's that's really good. I think that him clinging to the friendships of Remus, Sirius and James, who I do believe all are very strong Gryffindors he clearly valued those traits because he just like looked up to them like no other. Right. And mm-hmm. like, that's clearly what he values. There. Well, I, I think too, if you think about him and how he reacts with people, um, when you think of the Marauders, specifically James and Sirius, like they have very strong dominant personalities yes. and including Remus. I think that Remus takes himself back a little bit, but like, if yes. he actually like, um, gave himself like the wherewithal and like the allowance to do it. Like he also like the three of them have very strong, dominant, for lack of a better term, alpha personalities. Mm-hmm. And so does Voldemort. So like, right? Burntail is going to go where you know he can be a follower. He is not a leader, like in any sense of the word. He's very good with, well, what are you guys going to do? And let's do like you know following everybody else's lead. Yeah, I and, yeah. truthfully like the only house. I don't see represented within him. And I mean, if you have an example, please let me know. The only house I don't see with Wormtail is Hufflepuff. Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't know. He's pretty loyal. No, he's not. He is, but he's not. He's, <laughs> see, he's just so complex. Like, he's loyal when he wants to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which, but that's not, but that's but not Hufflepuff. Yeah, yeah he's... That's, that's, just, that's just going where you think the best is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. He has temperamental where, loyalty. Where right. do you? See, how do you see Ravenclaw in him? The living as a rat, the cutting off your finger and faking your own death. That's that's pretty. Smart. I kind of see. I kind of view that more as cunning. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't really see Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff in him at all. <clears throat> I just see Gryffindor and Slytherin, but yeah. I err on the side of Gryffindor just because I don't think that he values ambition and self-preservation like I, I don't know I don't know I just that's that's a Felix file for another day <laughs> and, you know, we, yeah now, like, we're talking about like this is good good Felix files um stuff yeah, yeah. let's let's uh let's pin that and move on okay. to the pain <laughs> we're just trying to like not keep going I in the shit. Yeah, let's, let's talk about anything else. Because I'll tell you what, the I'm gonna cry because I've almost already cried. So let's I just know. let's go. Let's do this. So, uh, where we left off before that whole conversation was Harry's scar explodes in pain. Quote: It was agony such as he had never felt in all his life. His wand slipped from his fingers as he put his hands over his face. His knees buckled, he was on the ground, and he could see nothing at all. His head was about to split open. And I said, could this be from Voldemort looking at him and feeling such an intense anger? Or knowing he's there and feeling such an intense anger and hatred? Do you think that Voldemort feels anger at this moment in time more than, like, excitement to come back, though? I think that... I think think part of the pain... I feel anger if he sees Harry and remembers back to why he is in the situation that he is in. Um, but I also feel like, yeah, you're right. It could be intense excitement and um, Cause knowing Dumbledore, what's about to happen. Go yeah, because Dumbledore did say that Harry can feel that pain when it's any like 
extreme extreme emotion, emotion whether mm-hmm. it be mm-hmm. excitement or yeah so i think i think at this moment like he can feel ang- like i guess he could feel angry but at the same time like at this moment in time it's about to be over and he's about to be moving forward so i think that it would be more excitement or like anxiousness or something you know what i mean like just for it to get done that's true that's true could be could be i can go on uh get on board with that all right (laughs) i don't want to read this i'm gonna cry and i'm like not that attached to cedric all right oh Oh, i'm not though like he's not but it's it 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 still gets me like it's like the first real death that like we see that we've been with this character longer than a chapter with, you know, Frank dying at the beginning of the book, you know? Right. Like, this one is, like, more meaningful because we've talked to Cedric. We've hung out with Cedric. We've spent time with him. We've yeah. been jealous of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, quote, From far away, above his head, he heard a high, cold voice say, Kill the spare. A swishing noise and a second voice which screeched the words to the night. Avada Kedavra. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm Sarah-ing right now my emotions. Sorry. It's fine. I just... it's Go, Megan, you go. Okay. Carry, carry on. So, um, Harry saw a blast of green light through his eyelids and heard something heavy fall to the ground beside him. The pain in his scar was so bad, he retched, and then it was gone. Meaning the pain, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, the pain was gone, yeah. So, we know what the green light means. I mean, like, that has been ingrained in our mind since Sorcerer's Stone, right? Harry remembers a green light. That's whenever his parents were killed. And Mm. obviously, thanks to the beginning of this book... We know what Avada Kedavra means. Um, Harry was terrified of what he would see when he opened his eyes, but he did so anyway. And I just wanted to remind everybody that this moment right here is what makes it possible. It's not a good thing, but makes it possible for Harry to be able to see Festrals from now on. Well, but he doesn't see him at the end of this book. He doesn't see them. He sees the beginning of... He said he sees him in the beginning of next the next book. Yeah, but but Joe says her it way has of to thinking sink she in. For, right. She he for, didn't. She honestly, it. she forgot about it. I know. Correct. That's <laughs> what she said, and then she's like, he has to process it, which I mean is true. You know, it makes sense. You do um, have to process those feelings. If, yeah. if you've ever, yeah, if you've ever lost someone in real life, especially when it's very sudden, uh, you don't want to believe it for a long time. You know, it takes yeah. it takes some time to settle in, and you're like dumbfounded really right yeah it's like you have to maybe go through the stages of grief Mm -hmm. perhaps but Mm -hmm. what if you can what if you never overcome those feelings you know some people find it really really difficult to to get through those so i don't i don't know but yeah i think that technically he would have seen them at the end of goblet of fire but that's yeah but he doesn't but he doesn't so yeah um All right, so Cedric was lying spread-eagled on the ground beside him. He was dead. For a second, that contained an eternity. Harry stared into Cedric's face at his open, gray eyes, 
blank and expressionless as the windows of the deserted house at his half-open mouth, which look, looked slightly surprised. Yeah. That is such a Cedric expression to have, though. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. unsuspecting, didn't think that's what was going to happen, like, Slightly thrusting. surprised. You know, he's just so, he's, he's, he was just like a flowy kind of guy. Like, goes with the flow, nothing really, like, he doesn't really show a whole lot of emotion. And when I read that description, I was like, that's very Cedric. What, I, go ahead. What really gets me about this particular death is first of all obviously it's our first one that we encounter in the powder mm-hmm. series that means something um and second joe doesn't beat her on the bush it literally says he was dead period right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you yeah. get that shock and that you feel exactly like harry feels like what yeah. what possibly just happened you don't understand right and like with this chapter because it's like so short and um like everything just happens so quickly that it's almost like it happens and you move right on. It's like almost like, I don't know how to explain like how, how I feel about the chapter. You know what I mean? Cause it goes from he's dead to now Voldemort's back in like three pages. Right. Like everything moves so quickly and you almost, it's like a whirlwind of like all of these crazy horrific things happen and literally, like, how long is this chapter in our book? Four pages, five pages, something like that, front to back, but whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it, just. It all probably it just happens shows you in how like five fast. minutes. Yeah. yeah how yeah. fast your entire world can change within yeah. a short an time period. An instant. Right. A moment in time can change the entire path of your life. And I feel like that's one of the life lessons of this chapter. It's like, you don't know what time you have yeah. and here it is and everything's flipped and, and it barely took, you know, any kind of time. Yeah. It's crazy. My mom always says to me, um, it was usually when I was younger and annoying her with things like asking her if I could do something in the future. She'd say, I only own today. I can't give you an answer. Correct. And like, I think about that. And then I think like, and then I'm a really morbid person anyways. So, like, I'll think, like, you know, I only own today, but realistically, I only own the moment that I'm in right now. You have right. no idea, you know, in an instant, everything can change. Right. Oh, makes me cry. All right, Meg. Keep so, ripping our band-aid. So, I really, really am thankful that Vinny pointed this out in the chat because I meant to bring this up and I forgot to put it in my notes. But this moment is necessary to Harry becoming the master of death. And this is, this is like the first step of him, like, this is almost like the first step of Dumbledore's, like, lessons. You know what I mean? Mm. Not that this is a lesson. Obviously, Dumbledore did not know that this was going to happen. But the fact that Dumbledore let him compete in this tournament, he, uh, this, this is the first step. You know, you know what I mean? I mean... I'm trying to figure out how to word it like properly, but this, this death, and we learn this in Cursed Child, right? Like this death meant a lot to Harry. It really, I mean, it stuck with him. him. Yes. It haunted him so long that we are 
20 years later, basically, more than that, because Cursed Child is multiple years, but, like, Mm -hmm. 20 plus years later, and Harry is still hurt by this, because he knows that if he hadn't been the boy who lived, Cedric would have lived, right? Correct. Yes, Sarah. What gets me about that, because, like, okay, so we all know, if you've listened to me talk about Cursed Child that my views on it have completely flipped since seeing it. And I'll try to talk about it without crying, but like, you know, it, it gets me like reading this from after watching it and absorbing it and, you know, crying tears enough for 80,000 people. Cause that's how I literally cried from start (laughs) to finish. Um, it like reading it after obviously knowing this whole seven books and then the cursed child and seeing the play, I have a whole different perspective for Harry in this instant mm-hmm. and everything that happens. Cause like, it's so emotional when he has to go through like Amos being a Richard to him in cursed child, talking about his son dying and saying all those things to him. And like, you're saying like it, it haunts Harry to the point where he still visits his grave. And he's like, he's saying to um, Albus Everest, he's like, I come here. He goes a lot, like, you know, just to talk to him. And he's probably like, you know, to say, I'm sorry. Cause if anybody, like, you can't ever say that Harry doesn't regret all of the things. Like, it was necessary. Every you know, single death. Yeah, he's going to hold happened. on his shoulders. Every, every single one. Everybody at the Battle of Hogwarts, every creature, every uh, magical being, he holds on his shoulders for the rest of his life. I mean, we don't yeah. see past Cursed Child. We know he lives on for some amount of time. And he will always hold their hold all their deaths on his shoulders like he he never and i think this is one reason why he's such a great person to be for lack of a better word like the chosen one because he's not doing it to save himself he's doing it he literally tried to sacrifice himself he was ready to die so all of these people could live um and it's, oh God, it's just so, okay, if I keep talking, I'm going to start crying. Harry um, is, like, one of the most selfless characters, I think, that I've ever read in a book, period. And it's amazing to see a 14-year-old begin to be as selfless as he is, even in this moment. He he was giving up being the, the champion of the Triwizard Tournament, right? I mean, it doesn't yeah. sound like a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but to a 14-year-old, that's a big deal. And Mm -hmm. the fact that he was able to step back and say, no, we should share this together. Especially when a couple pages before he was talking or thinking about how How great it would be to to win this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, that was really the first time we ever heard him think about that. He just wanted to get through it. It was all about survival. He just wanted to get through it. I honestly think that if it was anyone else but Cedric, because Cedric was such that nice guy where he you know, was willing to help Harry out because he was like, you know, you help me out. I'm going to help you out. And so the two of them, you're almost like, well, someone's got to grab the damn cup. Like one of you touch it where they're both like, no, let's do it at the same time. And I think if it had been another person from Hogwarts, he might not have done it. And also that other person might've just went and grabbed it as well. Right. That's a good point. Or or jinxed him or something, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So the unsung heroes article on Pottermore talks a lot about like Cedric's character and like what this all means. And I, I really like this article. And I think that like Tiff, what you said before, like Cedric isn't necessarily a character that we hold close attachments to. Right. 
But I think that speak for yourself. <laughs> well, if you're if you're a big fan of puffs, you might super love Cedric Diggory. <laughs> but yes. honestly, like after doing the pod and doing this book and almost being done with this book, he's closer to me. He's yeah, not the sure. closest to me, but he's no Dumbledore to me. <laughs> I and like, but, but honestly, if I'm shedding my real tears over him, he means something to me. Yeah, for sure. I think that doing this and really like breaking down every single character really makes you appreciate every single character, no matter yeah. how big or how small. Yeah. So much I think how good or how bad, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the unsung heroes of Harry Potter stories series that they did on Pottermore, they did one that focused on Cedric. Um. And honestly, this entire article is really good. I might just read the whole thing, so just, like, strap in. It's just good. Uh, (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Click. Um, (laughs) Harry knew it. Albus Dumbledore knew it. Pretty much everyone knew it. Cedric Diggory could have been so much more. That's already literally going to make me cry. Okay. Uh, so as I'm you... so glad that we're not doing this together. <laughs> Dude. I would have been bawling would be... from jump. It would be horrible. <laughs> um, as you probably noticed, there were a lot of cruel deaths across Harry's adventures, but Cedric Diggory's fate may just be one of the series' biggest tragedies. Cedric was introduced in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, so we really only had two books to get to know this dashing Hufflepuff student before he was killed by Wormtail and Lord Voldemort. But it would be unfair to only remember Cedric for his shocking death scene when he made so much more impact than that. He's not just a pretty face. At first, this perfect, handsome character seemed like he had been invented as a symbol of Harry's teenage insecurities. After all, he was older, popular, good at Quidditch, and most importantly, the object of affection for Harry's first crush, Cho Chang. And indeed, for a time, Cedric did represent this unattainable figure for Harry, particularly when they were both picked for the Hogwarts Triwizard Tournament in Goblet of Fire. Harry, illegitimately chosen to represent Hogwarts way before he was ready, found himself unfairly compared to the much more accomplished Cedric, who was Hufflepuff's Quidditch team captain, a prefect, and a more experienced wizard. For an awkward teenage boy still finding his feet, coming up against the likes of Cedric Diggory would be an absolute nightmare. Remember that scene in Goblet of Fire where Cedric even gave Harry wand envy? <laughs> <laughs> and then they just... Harry, like, polishing it off on his <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that was just school rivalry. Before long, perfect Cedric transformed from a Hogwarts pretty boy to a much more nuanced character with huge potential, even if he was Cho Chang's boyfriend. Um, So they were champions together. Imagine being gifted with the huge honor of representing Hogwarts in the incredibly prestigious Triwizard Tournament that happens almost never, and then having that famous fourth-year kid who evaded Lord Voldemort nick your thunder. Cedric could have taken a completely different stance when Harry was picked as the second Hogwarts champion, regardless of the fact the situation wasn't Harry's fault, but he was graceful about it. When Harry started garnering unwanted press attention from Rita Skeeter, who pretty much disregarded Cedric's involvement in the tournament, it could have been so easy for Cedric to join the anti-Harry brigade that quickly formed across Hogwarts. He could have even adorned himself in support Cedric Diggory Potter Stinks badges. Even Cedric's dad, Amos Diggory, stirred rivalry between the pair from the moment he first met Harry, ribbing him on his son beating him at a Quidditch match. Cedric's embarrassed reaction, however, made us realize that the lad had humility. 
Despite everyone else going against Harry, Cedric chose to be his ally, and the two tackled the tournament together. Despite snide remarks from Amos Diggory or the Cho Chang-shaped cloud hanging over them, Cedric and Harry formed a kind of kinship. Um, and we see that from them, you know, going back and forth and helping each other out in task one and two. By the time the boys made it to the third and final task, the pair had helped each other out in different ways on the first two. When the third task loomed, the pair had each other's backs, which was helpful considering they were stepping into a giant lonely maze stuffed with obstacles, magical creatures, and deadly traps. The boy was good, kind, and brave. Both of us, Harry said. What? We'll take it at the same time. It's still a Hogwarts victory. We'll tie for it. Cedric stared at Harry. He unfolded his arms. Are you sure? So it was a twist of extremely cruel fate that for befriending Harry rather than going against him, Cedric lost his life. Even worse, it was through a combination of Cedric's nobility and Harry's fairness that led the pair to the trap where he died. I think that that is really important because we see that Cedric actually had a Gryffindor trait and Harry mm -hmm. had a Hufflepuff trait. Ooh, nice. And they like flip-flopped oh. right there. Yeah. Um... Throughout their short time knowing each other, Harry and Cedric just seemed to keep getting mixed up in each other's lives. Whether it was on the Quidditch pitch, liking the same girl, or being Hogwarts champions together, it must have felt to Harry like Cedric Diggory was around every corner. In the case of their final task inside the maze, he quite literally was. After the revelation that the Triwizard Cup was a port key, the bewildered pair found themselves in a graveyard. Thinking this was part of the task, Cedric didn't even have time to work out what was happening before a voice muttered, kill the spare, and a flash of green light wiped him out forever. Everything about the moment cuts deep, from the horrendous randomness of it to the language of calling Cedric a spare. Cedric's death had a profound effect on Harry. Despite losing his parents as a baby, this was the first proper time someone he truly knew died in front of him as an indirect result of a decision that he made. This was the death that gave Harry the ability to see Thestrals and the death that haunted his dreams for many, many years after. Um, the fact that it happened to such a noble and just person who wouldn't take that cup, thus ensuring he would get caught in the crossfire through his own decency, made it even worse. Almost done. Uh, Dumbledore articulated the injustice of it all the best. In his speech at Cedric's memorial, he chose to tell Hogwarts the truth about Cedric's murder rather than letting people assume any other reason for his death, which would have been an insult to his memory. But it was the closing part that really, really hurt and perfectly described just what a decent person Cedric was. Not better than Harry, but more like an equal. Remember Cedric. Remember if the time should come when you have to make a choice between what is right and what is easy. Remember what happened to a boy who was good and kind and brave because he strayed across the path of Lord Voldemort. Remember Cedric Diggory. Slightly off topic, but is that what Newt's brother Theseus says to him in the movie when they're in the hallway like after that meeting what does he say to him because he said something along those lines like you have to choose between like what is right he says something. i swear i've heard that before i could be lying it might have been from this he does say well, he has a to choose very a side. famous dumbledore quote that is very famous dumbledore quote i i think that you're probably just think because it's been said so many it's times similar. It's it is similar. similar he says something yeah. like it's a you similar have to... situation yeah he says you know? that you have to choose a side 
I believe is what Theseus says to Newt. And Newt says, I don't choose sides or something like that. Yeah. I feel you, Newt. (sighs) What does Dumbledore say to him? To Newt? Yeah, because what does he say, like, on the bridge? Because he's like, you know, because you always, you don't always choose what's, you go, I think he says something similar to him. Oh, you're right. Because he says, like, you don't choose what's easy, you choose what's right or something like that. You don't, you don't, he just, you don't question, you just do what's right. It was something like that. It's basically, it's basically the same thing, though. Yeah. He honed it later in life, you know. Yeah. (laughs) It is, that is, he is saying it to another Hufflepuff. That's, oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. He said it to Newt, and then he said it about Cedric. Both very, they're quality puffs. Before Harry could accept what he was seeing or feel anything other than numb disbelief, he was being pulled to his feet. Uh, The man had put the bundle down and lit his wand and was dragging Harry to the headstone. He saw the name on it. He saw the name on it before he was slammed against it. Tom Riddle. And I just said, this is full circle here for Goblet of Fire, right? This is where we started. And now this is the end of the book. So the cloaked man tied Harry tightly to the headstone from neck to ankles. I forgot that he was tied like this. Uh, Yeah. I was just thinking of the movie where like the angel like comes over him. More like magic, but (laughs) Um, Harry realizes he's breathing shallow and fast and Harry's struggling and the man hits him and he hits him with a hand that had a finger missing. And that's whenever I can't stand him. Yeah. I can't stand the fact that he like hits him. Like you are such like I wanna say all of the the bad words right here, but I won't because I'm that kind of person. But I just can't like just think about that, really. Think about Harry struggling and then Wormtail hitting him. Doesn't that just light your fire? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, there you go. This whole time Wormtail is very, very rough with Harry. From start to finish, won't look at him, mm-hmm. gags him very roughly, ties him like... rough, hits him. Like he, I think he's trying to do everything in his power to not feel I what think he's he trying to feel. I think he's trying to convince himself that what he's doing is the right thing. I mean, because he was, a, he's essentially like an uncle to Harry back in the yeah. day. So yeah. you know that he cares for the kid. So right. the fact that Voldemort has this hand up on him, he's just got to like oh, do what literally. he has to do. <laughs> but <Ba-dum. laughs> This is why I was texting you guys when I was putting this together, putting this doc together and separating it out. And I'm reading these things and and it's been it's been years since I've read these things. And it was really making me so angry. Yeah. And it and it and it still makes me angry. Yeah. Did you find it, Sarah? Well, this is what I found on Goodreads because then I was like, oh, I realized that I have somewhere in this room um the screen but i'm like i don't know because i had to take my bookshelf down but i found it on goodreads that he says um he's like do you know why i admire you newt more perhaps than any man i know you don't seek power popularity you simply ask if the thing is right in itself Mm. if it is then i must do it no matter the cost which is very similar Similar. really to what Mm -hmm. he's saying yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter the cost, hey, would you say that's for the greater good? Mm. Oh, get out. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the moment when Harry realizes that it is Wormtail and he is angry. 
He gasps and says, you, but Wormtail doesn't answer, and he's checking that the cords are tight. His fingers are trembling, though, and he was fumbling all over the knots, which right there leads me to believe that he is honestly terrified, Mm -hmm. and he's making sure that Voldemort knows that he has, he, you know, is going to go through with this, basically. Mm. I Um, think his, I think his realm of feelings right now is just literally all over the place. Mm-hmm. I feel like he he's second guessing himself and what he's doing is right for the wizarding world in general. Oh, and he wants to seem like he is tough and doing this for Voldemort. And then he's looking at Harry and he's like trying not to look at Harry because he's going to have some kind of feeling. And I think he's just literally all over the place. And I think like when we see him shaking, he's like freaking out about all these feelings. And as he should be, he is. I you guys, it just makes me so mad. Like, he's Umbridge level for me now. After, like, reading this and really picking it apart, he's Umbridge level to me right now. Yeah, he's not a nice person. Oh, think, too, that, you know, the older Harry gets, the more he looks like his dad. So Correct. he's probably, like, looking at him, especially if, like, Harry's, like, the parts where he's, like, his eyes are closed because we know he's got his mother's eyes, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's probably thinking, like, oh, like this is James like and he screwed him over one time so maybe the fact that he's having feelings about that but also thinking like it this is James and I've already like essentially had him killed once and like could this be a ghost you know how people get freaked out when like that stuff happens so yeah. I think that's also adding to all of those emotions yeah, yeah coming yeah. back to haunt him yeah I agree um <sighs> so when Wormtail was satisfied. He took black material out of his pocket and he stuffs it roughly into Harry's mouth without a word and hurries away. Um, Harry couldn't make a sound or see where he went. He couldn't turn his head at all. He could only see what was right in front of him. Cedric, Cedric's body was about 20 feet away. Um, beyond that was the Triwizard Cup and Harry's wand was on the ground at Cedric's feet. So he feels pretty helpless right now, I think. I like that mm. just that quick little sentence summarizes, like, later. It's like a quick little, hey. It is. This is where everything is. Yeah. You need to get right. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the bundle was at the foot of the grave and was stirring fretfully. He watched it and his scar seared with pain again. So we're clearly, like, we're clearly learning that his pain is associated with him looking directly at the bundle so Mm. he knew he didn't call it a bundle of joy oh for Mm. sure um (laughs) he knew he didn't want to see what was in those robes but i think he didn't really know why yet he just didn't want the bundle to be opened um he did hear something at his feet at that moment and looked down and he sees nagini slithering through the grass and circling the headstone Thanks yep. for joining us, Nagini. It's about time. Yep. Yep. I really like the title of my section. It is The Cauldron, The Thing. You're welcome. That's perfect. <laughs> so Harry, he can't see anything, but he can hear Wormtail's breathing again as he comes closer to view. So he's uh, he's like wheezing. Um, it's growing louder again. You should really work out, bro. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> a little cardio action might help you. A little cardio. Uh, but it sounds like he's trying to force something heavy across the ground. 
why he didn't just Wingardium Leviosa it, little swish because flick. Because he's not raven. He, he doesn't he doesn't Leviosa, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when Harry sees him again, because again he can't turn his head, so anything right in front of him he can see. He sees that Wormtail's pushing this giant stone cauldron. Uh, it seems to be full of water. He doesn't really know if that's what's in it, but you can hear it slapping around in there. And it's a cauldron larger than Harry's ever used, so it's large enough for a grown man to sit in. Yes, Sarah? Do you think, because realistically, did he have to put it right where he put it? Did he have to put it right in Harry's line of vision? Or do you think, like, Voldemort told him to do that because, you know, he's very, like, yep. oh yeah, particular showy guy, let me talk yeah. to you for 20 minutes about how I'm better than you, and then you're going to be able right. to run off because I talk too long. Oh, yeah, yep. for sure. It was I, definitely I, I, a show. Yeah. Everything has purpose. Everything is particular because it's Voldemort, and that's how he operates. And truthfully, you guys, I think we're seeing some super advanced dark magic oh. right here. And I'm yeah. wondering if it's ever been... Like, when has this ever happened before? When has something like this ever had to happen before? No one's ever made that many Horcruxes. No one's ever been that less Is this of a, human. A, a potion of Voldemort's own yeah. creation? That's, or, like, do I think you think so. this could be, like, you, what if someone had done it or tried to have done it in the past? Done it. That's not proper. I've tried to have done it. Had, <laughs> to do it, um... When, like, say, like, a parent lost a child or, uh-huh. like, similar to, like, the resurrection stone where they're trying to resurrect the person and say because they didn't have a horcrux, it didn't work. So maybe he's adapting this and hoping it's going to work because he has his soul and all of these other places. I also wonder if um, their stay at the Riddle House, if they've attempted different kinds of potions and trial and error you realize that maybe I have to use things of significance or since he is so particular about the details and what kinds of things he uses such as his father's bone and Harry's blood because right Mm -hmm. he could have taken anybody who was an enemy right Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. is this the first time they're attempting this potion Um, that's interesting I'm thinking because like when you say like anybody could be his enemy I think, like, Harry is obviously undesirable number one. So maybe he did try it with someone that he views as an enemy-ish, but not as much as Potter, and it didn't work, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Well, he still needed to use his dad's stuff. I'm um, just saying, I wonder if he, like, came to the conclusion yeah, that he needed yeah. those things of importance in order yeah. for it to work. I don't know. Just thoughts to think. Meg? He... He did create this potion, and he says it, I think, in the next chapter, whenever he's talking to the Death Eaters. Vinny helped me confirm that in the chat. Thank you. Um, He does say that he created this, and he also created the potion that gave him the baby body. Is that what he says? I gotta pull it up, though, because I want to remember Like, exactly what he says. I know for sure he did invent the baby body thing. And then I think this potion, like the cauldron potion, I think it's a mix of old, old dark magic and then his own touch to it. Because he does say that Wormtail was like, you should use any, I could find any blood for you. But Voldemort was like, no, it it needs to to be be Harry Harry Potter. So do you think he found this information because of Slughorn's information? I, maybe. You know, I mean, he's, if, 
Wait, is it up. part of like the old magic with creating the Horcruxes, and maybe this is part of that? Any twist it for him? I mean, why not? If you're looking yeah. up that kind of dark stuff, you're gonna. If you get to find that kind of dark yeah. path, you know, wherever you found it, there's gonna be this kind of stuff too. Right. Well, and like I wonder too, because he's a descendant of Slytherin. Like, if they had any of that, in, like in their own personal like library, you know, like really dark stuff, you know. <laughs> Dark stuff. Um, where does where does he tell him that he made his baby body? I don't know. It I'm, says in the I'm it looking. says in his next monologue. He says that it was uh partly unicorn blood, some uh, venom from Nagini, and then he says like a little bit of his own, I don't know, creation or whatever. It it's... says um, that he could possess the bodies of others, but he wouldn't go where bo- people were plentiful. Because the auras were still abroad and searching for him. He sometimes inhabited animals. Snakes, of course, being my preferen- preference, not preference. And when I was a little better off inside them was a- as pure spirit, for their bodies were ill-adapted to perform magic, and my possession of them shortened their lives. None of them lasted long. Then four years ago, the means for my return seemed assured. A wizard, young, foolish, and gullible, wandered across my path. In the forest, I had made a home. Oh, he seemed the very chance. He was a teacher at blah, blah, blah. Bend my will. Brought me back to this country. After a while, I took possession of his body to supervise him closely as he carried out my orders. But my plan failed. I did not manage to see the sorcerer's stone. I was not to be assured in mortal life. I was thwarted, thwarted once again by Harry Potter. Then there's some silence. The servant died when I left his body, and I was left as weak as ever I had been. I returned to my hiding place far away. I will not pretend to you that I didn't then fear that I might never regain my powers. Yes, that perhaps was my darkest hour. I cannot hope that I would be sent another wizard to possess. And I had given up hope now that any of my Death Eaters carried what had become of me. It says that not even a year ago, when I was almost abandoned, I had almost abandoned hope. It happened at last. A servant returned to me, Wormtail here, who had faked his own death to escape justice, was driven out of hiding by those he had once counted friends and decided to return to his master. He sought me in the country where it had long been rumored I was hiding, helped, of course, by the rats he met along the way. Wormtail was a curi- has a curious affinity with rats. Do you not, Wormtail? His filthy little friends told him there was a place deep in the Albanian forest that they avoided where small animals like themselves had met their deaths by dark shadow Oh, that possessed them. It says, but his journey back to me was not smooth. Through hungry one night, at the edge of the forest where he had hoped to find me, he foolishly stopped at an inn for some food. He'd meet uh, Bertha Jorkins, a witch from the ministry there. It says, now see the way that fate favors Lord Voldemort. This might have been the end of Wormtail and my last hope for uh, regeneration. But Wormtail, displaying a preser- pres- pres- wow, presence of mind, I would never have expected from him to convince Bertha Jorkins to accompany him on a midnight, midnight or nighttime stroll. He overpowered her. He brought her to me, and Bertha Jorkins, who might have ruined all, proved instead to be a gift beyond my wildest dreams. For with a little persuasion, became a veritable mind of information. Uh, she told him about the Triwizard Tournament. She told him she knew of a faithful Death Eater who would be only too willing to help me if I could only contact him. She told me many things, but the means I used to break the memory curse upon her were powerful. When I extracted all useful information from her, her mind and body were both damaged beyond repair. She had now served her purpose. I could not possess her. I disposed of her. You're almost so, there. 
Yes, it says, uh, Wormtail's body, of course, was ill-adapted for uh, possession. As all assumed him dead, he would attract far too much attention if noticed. However, he was the able-bodied servant I needed, and the poor wizard, though he is, Wormtail was able to follow the instructions I gave him, which returned me to a rudimentary, weak body of my own, a body I would be able to inhabit while awaiting the essential ingredients for true rebirth, a spell or two of my own invention, a little help from my dear Nagini, uh, Voldemort's eyes fell upon the continually circling snake. A potion concocted from unicorn blood and the snake venom Nagini provided. I was soon returned to an almost human form and strong enough to travel. Perfect. Um, Alright, so the thing inside the bundle, whatever that may be, started stirring more like it was trying to free itself. So I think Voldy's getting very restless. He is ready for this moment that he's been waiting. What? 13 years for? Long, yeah. long time. Um, so, Wormtail lights a fire under the cauldron, and the snake slithers away. Doesn't want to be by the fire. Do Maledictus not like fire? Maybe. Maybe we'll find out something oh, Fantastic Beasts. Oh, yeah. Mm. She does come back later, like when the fire is still there, I'm assuming, but I don't know. Do mm-hmm. snakes not like fire? I don't know. Fire bad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say fireball. <laughs> Um, the liquid in the cauldron, whether it's water, whatever it is, um, it was heating really fast. So the surface didn't just look like bubbly. It was shooting out fiery sparks and it looked like the water itself was on fire and there's steam thickening. It's blurring that line of worm tail. I like how you just get this whole visual of this horrendous thing that's happening. And this seems to make like the bundle become even more agitated. And then Harry hears that high, cold voice again, and it says, hurry. So now the surface of the water looks like it could even be encrusted with diamonds. It's just, like, bubbling so fast. So then Wormtail tells the, tells the bundle, it's ready, master, and the cold voice tells him now. So here comes the moment that Harry's been dreading, and he doesn't even know why. So Wormtail pulls open the robes, and Harry let out a yell that was strangled because he was gagged. So imagine, like... I mean, I scream when I see a spider, but, like, imagine when you see something so Horrid. horrific, it makes you scream. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. So, from the book, it was as though Wormtail had flipped over a stone and revealed something ugly, slimy, and blind. But worse. A hundred times worse. The thing Wormtail had been carrying had the shape of a crouched human child, except that Harry had never seen anything less like a child. It was hairless and scaly looking, a dark, raw, reddish black. Its arms and legs were thin and feeble, and its face, no child alive, ever had a face like that, flat and snake-like, with gleaming red eyes. So Harry notices, like, it almost looks helpless. It actually had to, like, put its arms around Wormtail's neck, and when it did that, his hood fell back, and Harry just saw this look of complete revulsion on his face, which pulls us all the way back to, like, yeah. Geez, like chapter one when we hear Frank we see Frank going through the house and mm-hmm. um Rumtel says like you can't even look at me like you're disgusted by me. Well, yeah, cuz you're completely you're unnatural and horrible and gross and blah. Right. So he carries whatever this is to the cauldron and for one split moment Harry sees the evil flat face illuminated from the sparks that are all over the surface of the potion. And Wormtail lowers the body in, whatever it is, there's a hiss, and Harry can hear its little body hit 
the bottom with a soft thud. And all he can think is, let it drown. Please, let it drown. Wouldn't that be great? If only Harry. Yeah. If only. Um, there's also, going back to the body theory, because he does look snake-like, that it wasn't Bertha Dorkins, but Nagini that birthed the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, too. Because, like, yeah. rereading it and, like, hearing what he looks like, because he is snake-like. Um, yeah. Any, yeah. Any hoosies? Let's get on to my section. Oh, that is interesting and gross. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about it? Because I have the article pulled up. Hey, we're here. Okay. Well, we talked about it on another podcast episode. We just need to make sure we're putting in that there are not child-friendly things. We gotta gotta start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, this is from MuggleNet, and that's the same one Mm. that we pulled the first time when we were talking about it. Yeah. Um, that possibly uh, Peter impregnated Bertha Jorkins possessing the fetus. Right. Uh, and then um, possibly, you know, that, you know, if, if Nagini was, I mean, we know that she was human and now she's trapped in the snake body because of her maledictiousness. Um, <laughs> could she have possibly had a child after being a snake, like a, a human baby? I, I don't know. Um so there's like that's kind of what they're thinking like a humanoid baby and her snake form is kind of what they're talking which would mean the baby right. baby mort is what they're calling him i call him baldy baby um came from nagini's body instead of from bertha jorgens which adds more ick factor to the voldemort nagini's relationship right you know and considering that nagini is already a like you know a travesty or this is what it says a horrific travesty of a maternal figure to voldemort um because I guess they've been discussing that for a while, it says. It gets just more, much more worse if she's his actual mother. And then I was, like, looking this up because I remember we had talked about it. Mm-hmm. And then there's theories out there that, like, Nagini is, is, Nagini is his actual mother, like, Merope. But I'm, like, reading it because I guess in, in Half-Blood Prince, but I don't have the book near me to, like, fact check it. Um, when when Dumbledore goes to Voldemort or to Tom Riddle when he's still um, Tom Riddle and in the orphanage... Yeah. They say that, like, his mother might have run off or might have been part of the circus. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so maybe, like, she faked her own death. But, like, she couldn't have done it because he was, he, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. So I'm trying to think of what year he was born for that whole thing to make sense. Um, was it 26? Was he alive then? I'm, like, no, talking he, to my he was born, I thought he was born after. Hey, you're the one with the timeline, woman. I'm going to it right now. <laughs> no, yeah, I, think, I was going to say, don't you uh, have it? I'm pretty sure he was born, like, he's going to be born within the Fantastic Beast series, but I don't think he's born yet. I think he might no, be. No, I, I think, think he, he was, was born, born in 26. Yeah, I think that he was just born in Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, like, it may, it would, it kind of would make sense, though. Like, I don't think it's true, um... But, like, for her to have given birth, faked her death, and then gone into the circus. Um, oh. But I didn't, like, I didn't read too much about it because I'm like, I don't really, I don't care for this. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, we, he was born uh, December 31st, 1926. 26. So, the very first Fantastic Beast movie, just so y'all know, was set in 26. And then the second one starts in 27. So, he um, was born between the two movies. Correct. Right. Correct. So by the time that like the first or the second Crimes of Grindel when that happened, he was a little babe, abandoned, and unloved. 
unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so like, because we also know, um, going back to the Valdi baby thing, you know, I, I think part of his snakiness is obviously the potion that he's taking because he says it involved um, Nagini's Ooh, old venom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we do know that she was milked, um, right? Which is really gross. I wonder <laughs> if because of her malediction, if because like him taking those things makes him transform a little bit oh that makes sense i mean there's gotta be something special about her venom because of her malediction it's not like it's just normal snake venom she's cursed you know yeah Mm -hmm. when i wonder too like if she was the one to have birthed whatever he possessed as his rudimentary body um if like once like she could still have kids after like fully becoming a snake but they were also doomed maybe not even to live long and they were all going to be uh, a breed of like um half human half snake well think about um rough. astoria right mm-hmm. malfoy so right? she had a malediction and mm-hmm. they were nervous to have kids yeah right so yeah. there's definitely something genetically there you know yeah i wonder like maybe because we don't know what she had, but like maybe it's something. If it if she had been like more in her, I don't know, like closer to being fully whatever. If they, if it, if it was along those same lines where she was turning into something more so than maybe um, a different kind of curse. Uh, I don't know. And then like, is he gonna be like if if Scorpius has kids? Are they going to ha- carry what, that gene? Right. What if it just like skipped him and it's dormant? Or does it only it passes to women? females. Women. women. It women. passes but, like, to females What if only. he is a daughter? So if he has a daughter, maybe. I don't know. My uh, thought. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. So I don't I think that it would. To I, I don't think that it would pass to a daughter. I think it has to be. I think there it has are... to be a female line, doesn't it? Well, like with genetics, there are some genetic diseases that like all of like i don't there's one in particular that i can't remember like that i think like the mom can be a carrier but like this only the sons can get it or vice versa you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know if it would be similar i don't know ali says uh, hemophilia oh lupus there you go so. i don't know any of this um my thought is going back to nagini and voldemort and uh her being milked and it makes me think that because of her malediction and Voldemort um, taking in her blood or venom or whatever he's doing that's coming from her, because he has the Horcruxes, I wonder if um, instead of killing him because he can't die from that, obviously, if that's why it is it transforms him perhaps into more of a snake-like creature. So mm. instead of killing him, it it's like morphing him. Yeah. If you think about like clearly blood of magical creatures is a big deal. <laughs> right. Has different properties than just like, you know, regular blood cuz think of like unicorn blood, right? I right. mean, if it, it can keep you alive. It can you know? keep you alive forever, but it curses you at the same time basically <laughs> if you drink it. So like Is this part of that curse? Possibly, or there has or there could be some property within malediction blood that there's just some property of it that we don't know yet maybe we will yeah. learn that in fantastic beasts yeah um shoot what i was gonna say something 
This oh, this is gonna be so nerdy. Go for but it. But it would be so interesting to see what they looked like under a microscope, like you know, like yeah. a normal Muggle person, and mm-hmm. then you know, a magical person, and then yeah. someone that has like a maldic a maladdiction or like unicorn blood. Like it would be, it would be fascinating to see that underneath a microscope. I bet Nagini's just have like Meg's head on a snake body going. I'm a snake. (laughs) (laughs) But like, think about it. Like, I wonder if you'd be able to like, say again, so nerdy. So say you, you know, Nagini and she's not fully snake yet. I wonder if you'd be able to take blood from her on different, like once a year or something. And like, see what the difference is. If like slowly, like snake cells are overcoming like you know like eating up the the normal cells slowly and surely yeah be fascinating you need to be a a science witch (laughs) (laughs) so we're gonna go back to the chapter (laughs) your first bullet point (laughs) yeah my first bullet point so Wormtail starts to speak and he says bone of the father unknowingly given you will renew your son the grave underneath Harry's feet cracks. Um, bald, nope. Wormtail summons some dust from inside of it and then has it go into the cauldron. So, like, it's so old because it's been, what, at least 50 years, right? Yeah, I think so. Because mm-hmm. he died in, like, what, 44, 43, something like that, I think is when he killed him. Yeah. Um. So he has it go into the cauldron and it turns a vivid poisonous looking blue so then Wormtail Wormtail pulls a long thin shining silver dagger from inside of his cloak he starts sobbing saying flesh of the servant willingly given you will willingly I mean he he cuts it off he does it it's not fully willingly I don't think I was was (laughs) thinking this so he says willingly given you will revive your master and so I did think this as much as like, are you like, you're struggling with it. Do you really want to give it? But right. he does cut it off. Yeah. So he takes his right hand, his right hand man, the, <laughs> the same hand that is missing a finger and he cuts it completely off. Um, so here he closes his eyes cause he kind of knows like the second before he does it. Cause he takes that knife and he puts it under his hand. Um, to close his eyes, but that really doesn't stop him from hearing the ear-piercing scream from Wormtail. Mm-hmm. It cut through Harry like he had been the one stabbed or to get an appendage cut off. So then he hears the hand hit the ground and then thrown into the cauldron. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the potion turns a burning red. And then I just wanted to um, go back to the very beginning of this book in chapter one. Because mm-hmm. this is when he's like having the vision slash dream because we all know that Harry's a seer. <laughs> and I quote, it says, Liar, the second voice, the cruel amusement more pronounced than ever. This is Voldemort speaking. However, I do not deny that her information was valuable. Without it, I could never have formed our plan. And for that, you will have your reward, Wormtail. I will allow you to perform an essential task for me. One that many of my followers would give their right hands to perform which literally does yes ma'am full circle love it do you think if it had been a hand without a missing finger he would have had a better body slash 
Allie in the chat says, maybe Wormtail's missing finger is why Voldemort doesn't have a nose. (laughs) We have to find moments to laugh. Yes, especially now. Okay, so potions burn in red, right? Also, really quick. So Wormtail That has to be a ridiculously sharp dagger. Like, how on earth? How like, on earth is that? It's probably magical, Megan. Gosh. Probably. But that just, like, every time I'm just like, I can't even imagine. computer froze. Oh, say it again, Meg. I was just saying, like, that dagger has to be, like, ridiculously sharp. I just can't Super imagine. sharp. I mean, bone saws. Like, you right. usually have to saw. Yeah. <laughs> can't talk about it. Uh, no. I'm just saying. Uh, but I also think, like. <laughs> it just brings me back stuff, to being a If it's expert. sharp enough. Okay, sorry, this is going to be graphic for a minute. If you if it's sharp enough and you use enough force, I mean, you just go, you know? It's just like a nice sweet butter. Gross. Butter. But yeah, that's pretty horrendous. So then, obviously, Wormtail's a big baby with no backbone and he just cut off his hand. So he's moaning in agony and he is right in front of Harry saying, blood of the enemy forcibly taken, you will resurrect your foe. Here we go. So I forgot, and I want to say, is it his right arm in the movie? I'm trying to remember. Because um, this whole like scene is completely different, I feel like, in the movie. So Harry, we, as we know, he's tied up. He cannot move. He can't even move his head. Um, Wormtail has the same silver dagger that he just sliced his hand off with. Um, and he pushes it into Harry's right arm right near the bend and he gathers some of the blood that's oozing out of his wound into a vial. So then Wormtail takes the blood to the cauldron. He pours it in and it turns a blinding white. Finally, with his job done, Wormtail falls to the ground. He's cradling his stump all while making a lot of racket because he's gasping and <laughs> sobbing on the ground. Oh, sorry, so the cauldron was bad. simmering away. Yeah, I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> I mean, he, he literally did it to himself. Correct. So the cauldron was simmering away. The sparks were so bright that the rest of the night looked very, very black. And then Harry was still hoping that the thing thrown inside was dead that it had drowned. So the sparks stopped and then there was steam so thick that Harry couldn't see anything else. And he was still hoping that the thing was dead, that it all went wrong. But then through the mist in front of him, he saw with an icy surge of terror, the dark out- outline of a man, tall and skeletal, lay thin. I don't know if that, oh, it's skeletally. Can we talk about how terrifying that is? is just a little side note when i was a kid um not that i again i thought i could see in the dark but like it used to scare the bejesus out of me like my sister would turn the lights off because we shared a room um and i couldn't watch her walk from like where the light switch was back to her bed because it scared me um and like this is what this reminds me like i get the same feeling of like you see like an outline of someone like in the dark, like it's, it's terrifying. And Harry's already terrified and Harry's, you know, all of these emotions are running through him. Um, <gasps> I hate yeah. to make this comparison, but this kind of reminds me of like Jack Skellington rising. <laughs> the <cosmic. laughs> oh, This is Halloween. 
Oh my gosh. But this that's like such a cool scene. And this is, it like is terrifying. I know. I know. I know. And you know, I don't really care how they do that in the um, movie. Like, I want, I, too bad he didn't. I wonder if they thought that would have been too scary to have him climb out of the cauldron like a grown man. You know, because yeah. they do that like whole magic yeah. thing and he's just like, ah. <laughs> You know? I don't like his bare feet. It's like a Pantene Pro V commercial. <sighs> but he has no hair. So. Does anybody else get grossed out by his feet? Yes. No. And his fingernails. Me... I hate it so his much. Fingernails like, why? For sure. like, why? Why? Um, why? I like when Ray Fiennes talks about how, like, he's made people cry when he looked, like, kids cry yeah. mm-hmm. um, on set when he was Voldemort. Voldemort. So then Z-Man commanded to be robed. And Wormtail pulled the black robes that were on the ground over Voldemort's head with his bloody stump and everything. Like, don't you think he'd be like... He naked. You know, well, I'm thinking, like, you're getting blood everywhere with your hand. You're not Why you slice off my hand? And then from the book, it says, The thin man stepped out of the cauldron, staring at Harry. And Harry stared back into the face that had haunted his nightmares for three years. Whiter than a skull with wide, livid, scarlet eyes, and a nose that was as flat as a snake's with slits for nostrils. Lord Voldemort had risen again. Dun, dun, dun! Life's never gonna be the same. No, it's it's done, guys. This is where everything sucks. <laughs> but for true. I know. <sighs> Barty Crouch Jr. was successful. He was. Who's that? He's gonna get what. He's gonna get what's coming to him. Mm-hmm. He's gonna get a what's for. <laughs> yeah. All mm-hmm. right. Do we want to do some lightning bolt round questions? There were a couple. Vinny sent us one, but he wants to fact, save it for the next episode. Oh. What? As a matter of fact, no, I don't want to do any lightning bolt questions. About this okay. one. He wants to save that. <laughs> but I guess actually we can do it now. It makes sense. Vinny asks <laughs> Do you think Voldy came out of that cauldron squeaky clean? Or do you think he needed a bath afterwards? <laughs> he for sure needed a bath. <laughs> I mean, you need I, a little scrub a dub dub. I don't think there could be any bath that'll get him clean enough. <laughs> Do you think that Voldemort showers, period? Like, can you imagine him just, like, no. in the shower, listening to music, soaping up? Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Uh, uh, shake it Probably off. just as, like, like, that clean, what is that, Scourge of? Scourgeify. Scourgeify. That's Squeegeify. it. Squeegeify. Squeegeify. <laughs> I feel like that's along the same lines of, like, baby making Voldemort, you know? Yep. Uh-huh. He doesn't do normal human things. No, he doesn't. Because he's not human. He just has Nagini clean him like a cat. Oh. <laughs> that would take forever. <sighs> I don't think they're very clean, you know? Alright, next question is from Carly. Do you think that wands connect with you based on birthplace or past? I think it can... Oh. Wow. I think it can affect it. I think it could. I don't need. I don't know I if don't it always it, applies, but I think right. it definitely yeah. could. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think everybody's does, but I think that like 
Voldemort's is potentially a special case. Yeah, or, like, it's, there's a rare occurrence where it could. Maybe because his is literally, like, such a monumental path. Him and yeah. Harry, they have special wands. I wonder if it... I wonder if that wand was destined for him because of where Ollivander got that wood. If we think that that is the same yew tree. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, like, his birth. His birth into the wizarding world, getting that wand... His birth coming back, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. What I mean, too, like, when we think about it, like, we're thinking, like, Voldemort, we're talking about Harry, like, these are pretty substantial people of power and, mm-hmm. um, of, like, legacy. So, like, if you're just talking about, like, some Joe Schmo in the corner, I don't know if it would matter as much as, like, not to, like, make them, like, any less important, but they kind of yeah. are, you know what I mean? Like, if yeah. someone's, like, not as magically talented... Like, look at Gilderoy Lockhart. Like, he wasn't that great of a wizard. He just knew one spell really well and was yeah. very charismatic. Um, and versus like someone that was really smart and very talented in the magical field. So, like, I wonder if that made it a difference. You know, possible. Yeah. Um, next question again is from Carly. What would be in the potion to bring you back to life? She said that hers would be chocolate wine and books. <laughs> uh, a prime aged ribeye, medium <laughs> mashed potatoes. Is it food? What? <laughs> Mine would be... to enjoy blue sour patch kids. Mm. <laughs> Mine would be pizza, cat whiskers. But you can't hurt them to get no, the cat no, whiskers. No. Naturally fallen Naturally out fallen cat whiskers. Out. Cat oh whiskers. my gosh. And Those are rare. Coffee. Mm. I think mine would be chocolate coffee and books, actually. Reese's. <clears throat> Reese's. Coffee <laughs> and books. The big Reese's. Reese's. Okay, hold on. Okay, oh my god. Reese's Yorkshire Gold Tea and a Harry Potter book. (laughs) Half old prince? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mine would probably be um, your bed. (laughs) You can't really like, eh. Just a comfortable bed, but I would say coffee, red wine, um... The one that Marty drank. Uh, <laughs> actually, I found this red wine in our cabinet the other day because I was looking because I didn't want to drink any white. It was very good. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll have to get it again. I don't know whose it was, but I drank it. But it's also been in like our thing for probably a couple of years. Um, so coffee, red wine. Um, I would say either like a good book or like some music. Like my favorite soundtrack. Like maybe I've been on a wicked kick lately. Look, it's got good music. Mm-hmm. From Green Mango 03, Georgia. If you were Voldemort, what animal would you possess? I'm going to say what? a snake because the animals that he possesses die. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. You wouldn't want to be like a spider? I could do a spider or a snake. I don't want them. Anyways. I would totally do a cat. I'm just kidding. I would be like a a bird, so I could fly. 
and go peck out the eyes of my enemies. Okay. <laughs> but do you think you could fly if you were like possessing a bird? Sure. I don't know. Yeah, bird-like qualities. Sickly. I would do a chipmunk. Oh. <laughs> do a chipmunk. <laughs> Maybe I would be like a blobfish. Oh my <laughs> god, those are so funny. I'm just thinking, like, I don't, there's not any animals that, like, because, like, Megan said, like, I would honestly love to be, like, in the body of a dog for a day, but, like, but I don't a good, kill like, it. A, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah, hard. You're Voldemort. You want to be, you're Voldemort, yeah. so he doesn't care. I know, but, like, I, I care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> oh, okay, we have one more from Carly. Oh, maybe a turtle would last a lot longer, though. Because they have a thank rough show. No, no, Kara. Yes. Kara. She oh, just Kara. Kara. Lightning bolts they for live us. for oh, a long thank time. You, thank you, Kara. Kara asked, what would you have written on your tombstone if yours was in the graveyard? Harry Potter for life. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> Hashtag HP for the number. Yeah. Life. With a, a Y. F-E. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Huh. Uh... That's like that's deep. It's kind of morbid to yeah, think about. Yeah. So all but I can think of is, is a quote from Rocco's Modern Life, uh, when they talk about Mister Bighead, and he's like, "Dead but not dead. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We lay old man Bighead in his crust." <laughs> oh my gosh. I was also going to say that I could use, like, death is but the next great adventure. Yeah, that's good. God, I would probably write, like, I was dying to get in here. Oh, <laughs> my God. You're an idiot. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. I, I love it. One. You're the only one that you hasn't I, said. It, it freaks me out, man. <laughs> you could make a joke like I made a joke because yeah. it also freaks me out. I, I like know. jokes. I like jokes. It freaks me out, but like I also am like morbidly fascinated by death. <clears throat> so I mean it's something that everybody should talk about. Mm. Unfortunately. I'm number one like Smitty Wormanman Johnson. <laughs> Here lies Seymour Butts. <laughs> it's SpongeBob. Oh my god. <laughs> Sarah got it. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, he was not oh, yes everybody in the chat <laughs> he was number one <laughs> hey man that's my hat <laughs> oh. oh god okay all right are we ready for the fan story oh yeah i'm ready for the fan story wait okay. do you guys have any questions we never go in i asked a million during my thing I asked about wormtail i like ask them during my part now Same the Z. patrons ask them so do you have any, sir? I don't think so. <laughs> let me think. Let me think for two shakes of a lamb's tail. Shake, 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 shake. Bah. Okay. Bah. Shake, shake, shake. Oh, shake. Bad, bad boy. Shake, shake, shake. Okay. Shake your lamb's tail. <laughs> All right, go, Megan. If you hold on, I have a question. I met Sarah. If you could, would you have killed Wormtail? I don't think I could take anybody's human life. All right, Hufflepuff. Or any life. 
I would lock him up in Azkaban. A Dementor could suck out his soul, but I ain't gonna kill him. No, it's 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 your life or his. Oh well, the, if I'm self-defensing, what else am I supposed to do? <laughs> I like how you said, if I'm self-defensing, then of course. What else am I supposed to do? I'm not gonna get green lighted. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, if you think about episode title. <laughs> I think about light. that with like Harry seeing it is is this the first time he realizes like when was the first time he realized his him remembering that green light from when he was a kid like living at the Dursleys with the car like learning it was a car accident or hearing it was a car accident when is the first time he realizes like that green light is like his parents being like his mother specifically wasn't being it, killed in front of his face wasn't it when he was dealing with the Dementors in three I think I I don't know if he sees it but I know he hears his mother screaming but when does he realize See, that green light I think that he assumes he I mean he does yeah he does remember the green light yeah. all the way back in the first yeah. book but right. I think yeah. that I I always thought that he then associates the scream with that in three, right. and that's why yeah. that's when it comes together. I thought well, because like I'm just thinking like to the beginning of this chapter when he obviously knows what like uh, he knows what Avada Kedavra is. He knows what the green light means, and even though he has his eyes closed, like <clears throat> I wonder if like subconsciously or not even subconsciously, like he's having flashbacks to his parents dying. Well, he does think in uh, Judy's class, when Judy kills the bug, he thinks, so that's oh. how it happened with my parents. Like, mm-hmm. that's yes. that's mm-hmm. it. So maybe that's when everything comes. Because I guess, I don't remember be- Greenlight being discussed in 3, because with the Dementors and the Quidditch match, for example, he does hear Lily screaming. But I'm not sure if he sees anything. You're right. But definitely, a... definitely Judy's class. Yeah. Well, I'm also just thinking, like, just just of where Harry's mind is at, like, literally at the beginning of this chapter when Cedric dies, you know? Mm-hmm. Scary. I wonder if he, like, hates the color green. I'm sure he does. Just All right. Things to think. Let's move forward. Fan story? Yep. Please scroll yeah. for me. Yes. Thanks. Alright, so this week's fan story comes from Rochelle Charters. Hey, Tiffany, Megan, Katie, and apparently Sarah. (laughs) My name is Rochelle. I love the podcast. As a massive podcast listener and Harry Potter fan, I was so excited when I came across this. Your attention to detail and passion of the fandom is so clear when listening to your crazy conversations, and I can't get enough of it. Keep up the amazing and hard work. I finally caught up on all the episodes and just became a patron so I can binge the Felix Files. Oh, thank you. Which I'm so happy about because Snape is like one of my favorite characters. After listening, I finally created my own Potter profile. I'm happily in Hufflepuff. Puff pride! Woo! My (laughs) wand is Willow Wood with a Phoenix Feather Core 13 and a quarter inches and quite bendy flexibility. That is a big wand. Mm Mm-hmm. My Patronus is a dolphin. Oh my god, we're like twins. Wait, it gets better. Mail from Morning House is Thunderbird. Me too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> my Harry Potter story begins when I was seven, when the first movie came out. I wasn't a big reader as a child, but I was a massive movie fan. My mom worked at a video store growing up, so she flooded us with movies to watch all the time, and I loved it. All the Disney, Megan and Katie. 
I remember I was wearing my dressing gown, eating a bowl of Fruit Loops on the lounge room floor when I went from the TV. I heard the most magical music that I would ever come to know in my life. It was a trailer for Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I begged my parents to take me. After seeing it, I was in love. It was pure, it was pure magic. I remember picking up the first book to give it a go since my brother got his hands on the first four books. I could not make it through the first chapter, and I'd seen the bloody movie and knew how good it would get. As I said, it just just didn't like reading back then. It became a family tradition to go see the first few films in the cinema together until I became old enough to start going with other obsessed friends, and there were many. Year by year, I'd count down, obsess over the cast, characters, and what I thought would happen. Watch the previous films over and over knowing all the words, but still never re- still never reading the books. It was after seeing The Order of the Phoenix in the cinema when the, when the Deathly Hallows book was being released, and I was so caught up in the hype of the final book coming that for gosh knows what reason I thought it wise to go borrow it from the library because apparently I wanted to start reading now. I opened it up, and I am pretty sure it was within a page or paragraph that mm-hmm. Harry is re- reflecting on Dumbledore's death. Worst <laughs> self-spoiler <laughs> in history. What was oh, I no. thinking? I did Gosh. continue to read the book, introducing myself to Horcruxes and all, without even having the knowledge of Half-Blood Prince behind me. I couldn't put the book down, though, and it certainly did spark my love for reading, and I haven't stopped since. As soon as I was finished, I grabbed Half-Blood Prince and filled in all the gaps. It kind of took me on a weird journey since I knew it was to come, so I was completely anxious to see how it all unfolded. Mm-hmm. I then had the next few years waiting and watching the films as they came out, which was as new as they were the first ones I'd watched where I had expectations. I could still love them for what they were, though. I was in my final year of high school when I went to go see Deathly Hallows Part 2 at midnight with my three best Harry Potter-loving friends. As our final year at school was coming to an end, so was Harry, Ron, and Hermione's. It was one of the best but saddest nights of my life. I totally relate. Mm -hmm. Sorry for the super long story. Don't be sorry. That's my, like, mantra. (laughs) Love your work so much. Can't wait to continue on this journey through the wizarding world with y'all. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Rochelle. I'm so... That was sorry. Cool. You ruined right. it for yourself. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't even imagine reading that. Yeah, like literally the worst. Being like, what? <laughs> it's probably something I would do, but I'm well. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> for real though. But the girl who read the last chapter. <laughs> I really like well, that you're. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I really I like that your journey is like. You just like took this weird twisty path with it, but you still love it just as much. Yeah, I think that's yeah. awesome. Very cool. Well, she said she really likes Snape, so he also had weird twisty paths. So true. They, yeah. they make make a good team there. Um, I also like how she said it was the best, but sad one of the best but saddest nights of my life, dude. Yeah. For real, like that night. I cried so hard, but we had such a good time. Right. And it's it's just one of those things that will always yeah. stick with you. Thank you for your story, of course. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Alrighty. Social media. Make sure that you follow us on Facebook at Swish and Flick Podcast, on Twitter and Instagram at Swish Flickcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um and also become a patron. Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash swishflickcast. You get access to the Felix Files. You get access to that super cool live podcast in a couple yes. of weeks featuring the one and only Chris Rankin. Um, right. And 
you get other stuff too so go check it out and you can see everything that is listed on there and pick what level you want so and he might even answer one of your questions so if you become a patron and submit some questions yeah you might get one answered by him yep 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 um and then lastly make sure that you check out our website swishflickcast.com and get all of the cool swish and flick merchandise merch 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 you want it <laughs> oh my gosh, Carly sent the gif of uh Petrie. <laughs> Petri no. from Land Before Time. No, that's not that's Petrie. Not Petri. That's Ducky. That's Ducky. Ducky. Sorry, I never liked Land Before Time. Yep, yep, yep. <gasps> Do you wanna hear <gasps> she is all, no. a sinner? Second uh, of all, <laughs> the little girl that voices her passed away. Oh, why are you such a sad tweet? Oh, I I don't know why absolutely. I know these things. Yeah, why? How know. old? She's young. I absolutely adored Land Before Time. Obsessed. Eh. I too. And then I realized that my favorite character was not nice. She is not nice. <laughs> she is not nice, even though she shares a name with you. My favorite character is the villain, though. T-Rex. Sharp tooth. Ooh, ha, ha. <laughs> That's not it. But okay. Anyways, what are we doing? I actually have something to share this week. Go, go for, for it. it. Jinx, you oh, owe me jinx. a Coke. Better go get right. me one. I want a McDonald's one. It's the best. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Give me a McCoke stick. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Rachel, I did call Katie a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> she did. Not ashamed of that. Anywho, I was on an episode of hyperspace hangout podcast it's all about star wars and i sat down with e kirk 2006 also known as ezra and we got to talk about uh kind of like my star wars story and growing up with ez and talked about the rise of skywalker and i had a theory that like popped into my head so if you want to hear it go and listen at hyperspace hangout podcast and you can also find me on Twitter at TiffSwish underscore Flick. Cool. Done. <laughs> um, I'm just like, I don't know. I am, well, at this point in the podcast, Katie and I will have moved into our own place for the first time oh. in years. Wow. So that's super exciting news. Near um, me. Near me. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're moving up to Cleveland because we literally drive there so often it's stupid that we don't live there um so yeah we find like i i don't know like to me like it feels like we're finally starting like our newlywed year even though it's been like three years so i don't know it's just crazy cool so um follow us on the petrus family on youtube instagram and twitter I don't really know how to Twitter, but I try. If anybody has any suggestions oh for me on how to Twitter, you can send them my way. Cause you tweet, 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 <sighs> tweet, tweet, like that. That's how you Twitter. Tweet, thank you. Tweet, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll plug. Um, I guess if you need anything designed or something, me and Mike are always looking for some odd jobs so follow us at whimsy creative design on facebook and instagram not twitter because we don't know how hit us up but if you want (laughs) but like side note if you if you want um 
a quote or something on something from Whimsy Creative, it's really just best to email us at whimsycreativedesign at gmail.com because... Yes, 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 yes. Things get Instagram lost. Instagram messages just get buried. And I have so many Instagram accounts that I, like, handle. It is really difficult. So just email us, mm-hmm. whimsycreativedesign at gmail.com. Carly, yes, absolutely. We can do graduation invites. So head us up. That would be lovely. Nice. Yep, cool. yep, yep. It's my turn. Yes, it's your know. turn. Um, yeah, I'll be going to school this coming week, starting going back. Um, and then that's pretty much my only thing. Traveling a bit in August, and then I'm taking a month off. Slash having like I my friends getting married in September, so it's a month to stay at home. Um, and then yeah, so living my life. You guys have gone to Florida. I'm going to be really jealous. Oh, yeah. I keep getting <laughs> notification. But right now I'm taking a biology class. And then after that, I'll be applying to nursing programs. Woo-hoo! So life is going to get even busier. Go out and buy yourself some pencils. I don't believe in pencils. Pens are nothing. Oh my gosh. That's true. They're easier to write with, I feel. I bought a cute... Um, notebook to take notes in and then I bought a planner that says get bleep done because I'm not allowed to say the swear on the podcast so I'm very <laughs> excited about it so but I think like once I buy like cute things it's such a dumb thing to say it helps me like write notes and like do things so I'm literally the same way I have like five planners yeah yep. so five planners I have a lot of planners don't judge me why why? I have a budget planner, I have a personal planner, I have a meal planner, and then I have a work planner. No. Yeah. No. Yep. No. Also, on a yes. fun note, <laughs> I decided, well, so, like, my bookshelf broke, as we all know. So send me pictures, honestly, of what, how you, not just Harry Potter stuff, but I want to know and see how people organize their books, because... I'm struggling because <laughs> I have a built-in three level or not layered, but like three shelf bookshelf built into the wall in my room. And I'm currently staring at it and it's overflowing with things. Like I literally like, I don't even, all of the books I own aren't even in my room. Like I had to take a lot of them out and put like somewhere else. Cause I just don't have room for them. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to store them all. All right. From here on out, everything changes. Buckle up. <sighs> Mount your brooms. Truly for Voldemort and Valor. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and don't let the muggles get you down. <gasps> Amazing! My voice! <laughs> Thank you for editing. My itches. Me nervous. I don't like when people drive my car. Katie, get your finger ready for that bell, because 107 is a special one. Skittle, skeletal lay. What's going on there, Kate? <laughs> um, so we split all these episodes, right? Like after the fact, and now I don't know what the last episode was exactly so i don't know what to recap i'm gonna guess it was it's just the last chapter yeah but i looked at the episode right before this and that's what i just copied so that wasn't correct
I got it. I got it. it. Are you okay? Let me tell you, the struggle has been real with like 103 to 106. We we recorded 103 as one whole thing. Uh, And then I said to them, because I was going to edit it, I'm like, guys, it's three and a half hours long, and maybe that 30 minutes, not whole 30 minutes, was us that needed to be edited out. So there's a three-hour-long podcast, and I'm like, we have to split it up with no dice, Patreon yeah. anyways. So then we decided to split it up, and then we did all this extra stuff, and I'm still confused at what happened and what it'll we be, did. It'll be fine yeah. from, like, <laughs> from here now on. on. Yeah, from now on, it'll be fine. <laughs> Let me just say, I really wanted to eat, like, a Lorna Dune, and I didn't, so... Can you, like, teleport me one? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.